stuff. Episode 95 of the Good Stuff Kids Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and you found the show where I talk to the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. And on today's show, I talk to Eliana Light. And that song you just heard was called Jewish Things, and it's off her album, Eliana Sings About Jewish Things. And it's a really, really good one. I was connected to Eliana by someone I used to teach and work with named Charlie Kramer, so shout out to Charlie for bringing Eliana and I together. I think you'll like what Eliana has to say. It gets a little deep in some interesting ways that I wasn't necessarily expecting, just based on what Eliana is interested in, and it was pretty cool to talk to her. I recorded this live in my car, and she was on the phone while I was at Camp Newman over the summer, so if the sound quality is a little off... It's not Eliana's fault. It's my fault. If you stay tuned all the way to the end of the show, you can hear that whole song, Jewish Things, by Eliana Light. Just stay tuned all the way to the end. If you need anything that has to do with the Good Stuff Kids podcast, just go to www.goodstuffpod.com or on all the social media things that you're on, like the Facebook and the Twitter and the Instagram, at symbol goodstuffpod. Or drop me a line, mike at goodstuffpod.com. I bet if you emailed me at mike at goodstuffpod.com, I would email you back within a minute. Test me. Try me. The quickest emailer west of the Mississippi. Thanks for listening. Here is Eliana Light. Good stuff. Welcome to the Good Stuff Kids podcast, Eliana Light. Eliana, how are you today? Hi, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a total pleasure. Um, we were talking a little bit before we started rolling here, but uh, I think it's important for people to know where you are right now. I am sitting in my apartment in Harlem in Manhattan. Okay, so if you looked out your window, what would you see? I see... Well, first, I see this awesome stained glass window that's in my apartment uh-huh. that looks like it belongs in, in a church. It's really beautiful. And I see another building. It's a nice tree-lined street with wide sidewalks, and there are a lot of tabs on the street for some reason. Yeah, and the sun's just beginning to start going down. It looks really lovely outside. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so... Um, we were connected by our mutual buddy, Charlie Kramer, and he, he says that you are doing great Jewish kids music. So before we even get into that, tell me a little bit about your background, where you're from, how you got into music, those kinds of things. Yeah, so I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, which is just in general a music town. I think I was really lucky to grow up there. And my father was the rabbi of the conservative synagogue, and my mother was a Jewish educator who loved singing. So music, especially Jewish music, was all around when I was growing up. I loved going to synagogue and learning how to lead the praying there, but we also had a lot of Jewish tapes and CDs that we would listen to at home, like Debbie Friedman, Craig Taubman, um, and a lot of obscure things that my mom found at conferences like 
I'll, I'll never forget this. I still have it somewhere, I think. A tape called Apples. And okay. the songs were about how apples are a part of every Jewish holiday. <laughs> you didn't know that. Um, I did not know that. So I'm really silly. <laughs> some really silly stuff. Um, and I've also been writing songs since I was really young. When I was a kid, like instead of having imaginary friends, when I was by myself, I would just sing about the things that I saw around me. And from when I was in like kindergarten, my friends and I had a game we would play where we would give each other a topic and a genre of music and just make up songs on the spot. Huh. Um, I wrote my first <laughs> I wrote my first Jewish song when I was in fourth grade. It was a version of Odani. I still remember how it goes. Wow. And yeah, yeah, I have a weird memory for all the songs I've written. I wrote some really bad songs when I was in middle school. <laughs> but that's okay. Really bad. You were you were in middle school. Everyone's written bad <laughs> I know. songs in middle school. Everyone. I, I I would hope so. You've got to get them out somehow. Yep. Um, I just recently found my big binder of them, and I remember all the melodies. Wow. I couldn't play an instrument back then. It was it was just melodies. Um. I still don't really write with an instrument, but that's neither here nor there. Huh. Um, but yeah, so I, I've been writing songs forever, and I started writing more Jewish songs when I was 16 and went on an Israel trip, mm-hmm. um, of course, of <laughs> which course. is very inspiring. Yeah. Um, and I kind of kept it to myself. I didn't really perform it publicly a little bit at college here and there until... I was um, brought on to do a concert at the New Cage Jewish Education Conference mm-hmm. um, about six years ago. Uh, Michael Cates, who does Jewish music out of Atlanta, we met in a songwriting workshop was like, many years ago, and he remembered I wrote Jewish music. I sang my two songs. I loved it, and I loved meeting other Jewish musicians and becoming part of a community. And then that summer, I got my first summer song leading job at Ramah, Wisconsin. Um, and ever since then, it's been my only job, really, and, and what I love doing with my life. Wow. So where did you go to college? Did you mention that? I went to Brandeis. Brandeis. I've heard of it. Okay. So from yeah. Memphis to Brandeis to songwriting workshops. So actually, I think you sort of, you said um, you, you, you write melodies without using instruments. And I actually think mm-hmm. that's fascinating for, for any young person who is interested in potentially the craft of songwriting that you don't. So, like, explain a little bit about your process and how you do that without an instrument, because I think that's actually a very cool approach. Yeah, um, absolutely. So ever since I was a kid, songwriting for me has been kind of stream of consciousness. Um, something just comes out. And it's always a, the words and a melody together. Very rarely do I write words on a page and then think, hmm, what melody would work with this? It's almost always something that comes out together. And it's the same thing as I'm writing a tune for a piece of liturgy. I'll just start singing uh, or something will kind of come out. And then once I have a bass, I can tweak it from there. Say, no, this should be higher, this should be lower, this should be here or there. But, you know, I'll be honest, I still... <laughs> I can play guitar, but I still don't have a lot of musical knowledge. I can't read music. I tried to learn what a circle of fifths is, but I still don't really get it. <laughs> uh-huh. um, <laughs> and it's, you know, it's just for me, 
it feels a lot of times like things happen in a flash and, and something comes comes out. It's it's hard to describe, but it's totally possible to to write without an instrument. I've still never sat down and, you know, played the guitar and said, Oh, that sounds good. What words could go with it? Huh. It's always for me about about the melody and the words going together. Well, it's so cool that like it comes to your head almost fully formed. Like that's a that's a rare gift. Um, I've I've talked to maybe one or two other people who who have sort of hinted that that's the way that the that they get their music. Like it's a, that that's a part mm-hmm. of the brain that's like specially unlocked. I think for certain people, and it's rare company. Um, so that's very very mm-hmm. cool, very very interesting. So. How many Jewish songs do you think you've written in total at this point? But before, like, just at a general level, before we get into the kids' music. Oh gosh, how many Jewish songs have I written? Ballparking thirty? No, it's got to be more than that. Forty? So maybe thirty to forty. Thirty to forty. Cool, awesome. And what? So of all of those. Right, and this can include your your music that you're writing for kids, especially. What's uh, what are like one or two of the favorite ones that you've written? So there are two things that I've been really into. I think lately, well, three things. Um, one are songs about God. Uh-huh. Um, one of my side one of my side projects is I do work around like theology and God talk and encouraging people to have more honest conversations about faith and to expand their ideas of what God is and to stop using that word God so much with all the baggage it has. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot of kind of angsty rock songs about God, which I really <laughs> love playing and have very little occasion to play. Because, uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, I went through my alt-rock phase and from, like, 2005 to 2012, like, yeah, um, <laughs> a lot of people have accepted to my music. So I, I love singing songs about faith and doubt and the very emotional connection that we have with the divine, especially since in my work, a lot of times I intellectualize it, but a lot of prayers is calling out to something bigger than you and asking for help. Uh-huh. Um, so I have a few songs like that. Um, I've also really been interested in liturgy from the high holidays probably for the same reason and that it depicts a very frank emotional relationship with the divine i have some kids songs for the high holidays um that have gotten some wide use actually that i'm really proud of that are kind of family friendly versions of hayom harat olam the idea that today the world was created it's the world's birthday a family friendly ashamnu Uh which you know, I don't know <laughs> if anything else like that exists that talks about like our collective missing the mark and how we can be better in a good year. I've also written some melodies for for adults for the high holidays that I just think are, are really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Jewish things. Um, the my album that came out last year. That I call it a, a family album or family music um, instead of kids music because just to drive home the idea that it's for the parents too. I believe this about Jewish education in general, that it's not just childhood education. If if you're educating kids, you have to educate the parents also Mm -hmm. and create moments for the families together. Um, I also tried to make music that would be fun for me to listen to. My friend Matt, who produced it, 
um, plays bluegrass, and so it has a, a very bluegrass influence. Um, and it's just fun. And I look on some of those songs, and I'm like, I can't believe I wrote this. Like, a Mission Impossible-style 1960s spy song about the things you find in a synagogue. <laughs> like, how... It's called Synagogue Detectives. looking for clues, looking for all the things that we need to use. Synagogue Detectives looking around, what have we found? Cedarim, Cedarim, prayer books with There is this sort of roots sound to it, right? Like bluegrass kind of thing, mm-hmm. lots of different kinds of sounds. So are you able to, um, I guess, transmit this music as it's produced like when you're singing it with a group of kids or are you able to do you take it in a different direction um there are certain songs that are exactly the same and there are certain songs that i play very differently when i'm live i mean i think the main thing for all the songs is it's hard to get a bluegrass sound when it's just me and the guitar and i don't have like a a fiddle and a mandolin and a banjo um so when it's just me it, it sounds pretty more straight folk rock uh-huh. um there are also ways each song usually has a way that i try to get the kids involved when i'm singing with them so there's either a call and response element or a hand motions element mm-hmm. and sometimes there's both um there might be like one or two songs where it's really just all right kids just bounce around and dance and have fun i don't have any work for you to do in this song <laughs> right. um but, but for most of the songs, even if it's not that way on the record, like the odd song, for example, when I do it live, the verses are all call and response. There's a book, pull the curtain, take a look. It's a guide for how to be the story of And the chorus of hand motions. Um, it's not call and response on the CD, and you can't see the hand motions when you're listening to it. Right. Um, but but when I do it live with a band or just by myself, um, every song, there's a little introduction as to what the song is about, and then there's always some sort of element of participation. Right. And, so, and that's like a, a really important um, aspect if, for any sort of family musician is to be able to... To, to tie like hand motions to it or you know dance moves mm-hmm. to it have you spent time like teaching preschool music like in the classroom yeah when I was at uh, my the job that I've had for three years up until this past week um, was at a synagogue on the east side of Manhattan where I was their early childhood music teacher uh-huh. so I did music in the classroom uh, setting uh, every week and I taught at the day camp for that age kids. Um, yeah. And that's absolutely the key is, is finding some way of involvement in every song. Right. So do you have, um, I guess do you have, I mean, I keep saying we're going to get to the record and we will, I promise. But do you have any <laughs> like uh, influences or, or people whose music you think is really great for, I mean, aside from your own personal music, which is great for that sort of preschool set, but like anyone that you, you think is really doing, um, interesting music or that you really think is, has got this figured out either Jewish or not Jewish. Either one is fine. Yeah. Um, I think one of my main influences and mentors really is Ellen Allard. 
She's an incredible teacher and musician who has a ton of Jewish and secular kids songs. And I've also had the opportunity to learn with her at a lot of conferences. And she really helped me get my bearings when I was, when I was first starting out. Um, I had never worked with little kids before and I had no idea what to do with them. And she's one of the people that helped me, helped me learn how to teach a song to young kids. Um, showed me that that interactive element is really important. And just write songs that are fun to sing, and they're not just fun to sing for the kids, but they're really fun to sing for adults, too. Um, And that was really important. Who else? I think in terms of secular songs, Lori Berkner songs are always a hit. I can't tell you how fun it is to do the Goldfish song um, with a bunch of small children and just I, I think she taught me about what's funny in kids' songs. Uh-huh. Um, the goldfish song, what makes it hilarious is, uh, like, the kids are pretending to be fish, and then they're feeling like they need to take a shower, and then they take a shower, and then you have the kids put their hands on their hips, and they go, wait a minute, we're fish. We don't take showers. <laughs> right. And it's the funniest thing these children have ever heard of their lives. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's great. And it's just so cute. Yeah. Um, also, Joni Leeds, who I know has been on your show. Yep. Um, she's, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> actually, Ellen and Lori and Joni Leeds have all been on the show. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. they're all amazing. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just, I, I'm not, I, I want you to, you to talk about Joni because she's incredible, too. But I had a similar situation with Ellen Allard, too. Um, at this conference mm-hmm. that we've both been to called Hava Nishira, um, she led a workshop and I was just like, so inspired she, because she was taking mm-hmm. kids music, like at the same time, really seriously, but also having like the best time with it. And I was just like, this yeah. is just so good. Like, this is so energetic and fun and she's having a good time and everyone else like sort of let their inhibitions go they were having a good time so so good choice and mentor is is what i'm trying to say in a very <laughs> in a very long way yeah okay yeah she's great i think the best part of having to share this song leading camp is how when she sings her songs for a room full of adults and we all go bananas yeah you know, about songs about fried jelly donuts. And we're right. like, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, totally. Or being trees. It's, we she, have, she gives us permission to be silly and have fun. I yeah. think that's really important. Yeah, and I think that that's important in your, and like the, the way that you're describing your stuff as well. Okay, so tell me more, tell me about Joni Leeds. She's the greatest too, right? So Joni's great. And I've been able to watch her work. She did some song leading at, at the synagogue I worked at. And I learned a lot just from being in her presence. Um, she has such a, a, a smiley way about her. And you're just immediately drawn in. And from her, I learned transitions between songs. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And keeping kids' attention as you go from one thing to another. And ways to make it fun in between. And how to make a song even that you've heard a hundred times interactive and fun for the kids. Like there's this dinosaur knocking on my door song for Shabbat that everybody sings. Um, you know, the dinosaur wants to light the candles and drink the wine and she'll say, he wants to eat the candles and all the kids go crazy. Like, no! <laughs> and they just love it so much. Um, yeah. And it's the little things, the shtick also that she does with, with her husband, drummer Dan, who's great also. 
um, the, the shtick that they do together is, is really what, what brings the energy to the whole concert. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So now tell me about your record. So you have 12 songs. Um, all of them are sort of Jewishly themed and I think that you have a brilliant album title. So what's the title of the record? The title is Eliana Sings About Jewish Things. And there's never been a more on-the-nose description in an album title for the album. So, <laughs> so how long, how long so was... I was really proud of that. Yeah, it's, it's, you should be. So how long was this in the works from like, you know, the, the first songs written to the last songs written to in the studio to being able to send it to people or having people get their own copies of it? Wow, it's been a really long time in the making. I wrote the first song that ended up on the album in, I guess, 2012. Um, the first one I wrote was the Mishkan song. And since then, as I wrote more and more things that happened to be in this category of ritual objects and then thought, oh, this could be a record because I really like writing in categories. I think having structure helps me uh -huh. as a, as an artist and creative person. So I'll do things like, I'm going to write a song for every blessing in the Amidah, the, uh, one of our Jewish persons. Maybe I'll get through five songs, but that gives me something to write about. So this is like, okay, I'm going to write about something. And then after I decided to do this, you know, I put on Facebook, I'm going to write a song, but an uh, album about Jewish ritual objects. What should I include? Uh -huh. And, you know, it also, at my work, when the kids were learning about ritual objects in Hebrew school, and I wanted a song to teach them, if there wasn't a song, I would try to write one to use with them. Mm -hmm. um, and then it came out really officially uh, just this past February. So oh, okay. it's, it's, it's been a long time in, in the making. Yes, that's about that's about a six-year six year time frame. Um, yeah. So tell me about the song uh, Feather, Candle, and Spoon. <laughs> Feather, Candle, and Spoon um, is about the ritual that takes place the night before Passover. You're supposed to have uh, cleaned your house already, um, gotten all the bread out, right? No bread or bread products on this holiday. Uh -huh. But then there's this kind of interesting, I mean, I think all these rituals are interesting or I wouldn't have written about them, um, ritual where you hide a bread product in your already clean house and then using a feather, well, there's the spoon, the feather, like, sweeps the, the bready thing into the spoon, the little crumbs, and then you hold a candle because your house is dark because they've been doing this for so long that there wasn't electricity when this ritual came about. So you uh -huh. hold a candle. That's like a little scavenger hunt. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, like, like, looking around your house. And it's things like that, rituals that are already kid-like in a sense. Yeah. Right? It's a scavenger hunt in the dark for crumbs. Right. Um, with these three objects that 
really have no significance except we use them together for this spiritual thing. Um, That's great. Yeah, it, it actually, it started out as a calypso. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, as, a, as a calypso song, and then my producer, Matt, was like, we're eh, not going to do this <laughs> like that. Uh-huh. Well, that's what producers <laughs> um, are for, right? <laughs> yeah, he's right. He's like, it's going to be more Jimmy Buffett and less under the sea. Like, <laughs> I can dig that. Okay, fair enough. All right, so, all nitilat yadayim. This is the blessing for washing hands. So why is this an important yes. an important subject to have a song about for little kids? Um, because playing with cups is fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, no, I think, you know, washing hands before meals, I was specifically thinking about this in a camp context because, you know, there are some Jewish families that are more observant about this ritual than others that will ritually wash their hands before meals on Shabbat or any meal, really. Uh But then at camp, at at most Jewish, at many Jewish camps, um, it's a thing that everybody does, especially for Shabbat meals, is to go and wash your hands. Um, so, so this this song is more instructional. Some of them are about the deeper meanings, how to do it. I just uh-huh. wanted a song that taught that taught people how to wash their hands and also what it's representing. Uh-huh. Um, and and just like almost all of these songs, it's like crammed with content. You're not going to learn everything about the object just by singing the song. Right. Because some of the lyrics, if you don't know the context behind it, doesn't make a lot of sense. So I put a lot on the educator or right. the parent in these songs. And, and that's why on my website, I include a resource guide that has annotated lyrics, questions for thought, source text, and all of those things. Awesome. Like when it says in the song, um, like the ancient Kohanim, those are the priests lifting up their offerings, there's like the side note where you're like, well, since the temple was destroyed... The locust ritual moved to the home. The two challahs, the breads, are like the offering. That's why we salt it. And that's why we ritually wash our hands because it's kind of like we're about to give an offering and the priests wash their hands. But that's not in the song. That's not um, in the song, right? <laughs> right. Well, there's la- there's layers of depth. And that is a tremendous amount of content to even, like, think about getting across in, like, a kid's song. But I, I like that um, you have these resources available to parents. So, like, I guess another one that would fall into that sort... I mean, all of these songs have, have aspects of this. But, like, the Yad song or Thank You, Mazizah, mm-hmm. these aren't things that, like, everyone knows about, right? Like, m- most right. kids who are in, like, a, a Jewish educational setting will will get, like, pieces of it. But I think that there's actually... And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not put pressure on you, but I'm going to say that, like... For those educators, not just Jewish educators who want to like expose their kids that they're working with to all different kinds of religious ideas and sort of demystify mm-hmm. some of this stuff, like your music is a is a excellent starting point in addition to the resources that you've provided. So uh, thank you for that. And I don't want you to feel any pressure that like you have to always continue to educate the life and the world around you. But um, I do. No, think but it's... but that's that's why I write 
songs. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a musician because I'm an educator. Uh-huh. Like, I'm an educator first, and music just happens to be the way that I teach people. And I always see this as layers. Like, there's the layer where you just listen to it, and you're two, and you don't really know what's going on, but it's fun, and you're bopping around. And then as you get older, you're able to have conversations and learn more. And then there's the parents um, and teachers that have told me that they didn't know what these things were. Other songs I've written about holiday greetings. That's my next project for kids is about holidays, uh-huh. about different aspects of holidays that people might not sing about or talk about. And that's the whole goal. You right. know, I want to write songs about things that don't have songs. They're the ones that need the songs. Right, exactly. Awesome. So, so tell where are you at in terms of the, the next project? Um, <laughs> so there are a few next projects. Oh, um, oh, now, uh, now spoiler alert. I know. I, uh-huh. Spoiler alert. They're, they're going to take a while. Actually, um, a bunch of songs that I've written for the High Holidays are, are being recorded by Park Avenue Synagogue uh-huh. actually this week. Cool. Um, it's where I've been for the past three years. They're doing a High Holiday prayer book project for kids and families. And I was commissioned to write new melodies and English interpretive songs for that holidays. Whoa. So those will be recorded by them, which is, which is really cool. Uh-huh. Um, three more holidays and I have a song for every Jewish holiday. All right. Okay. Um, but you know, I, I don't think that's going to come out for a while necessarily. Um, Cause I've got a bunch of other things. But I'm working on musically and non-musically. The angsty songs about God is becoming its own thing. Uh-huh. Um, and I, you know, to be honest, recording music is expensive. <laughs> that is very um, true. And very, very true. Yeah. So I, but I try to, I try to have, I guess what they call a strong YouTube presence. Uh-huh. And if there's a song, if there's a song that will be primarily used for teaching, I'll just make a little recording of it and put the chords and the song up on YouTube so that teachers can use it. I've done that with a bunch of my holiday songs. In fact, most of the high holiday songs have been on YouTube, and that's how they've been found by people and used. Um, I also have a little, I guess, web series, if you want to call it that, Whoa. called Stuff I Just Made Up. Fancy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. I'm, people have said, oh, I saw your web series. It was web series. <laughs> I sit in front of my camera and sing songs, but okay. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> um, and it's called Stuff I Just Made Up. Uh-huh. Um, and it's little songs that I made up for my preschoolers. But, you know, I've, you know, not to brag or anything, but it's really cool. I've met people at conferences all over the place. And they're like, oh, your hello song. We use that in my classroom. I found you on YouTube. Oh, that's awesome. Um, that's, you know. the, that's exactly what yeah. you want to have happen. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really cool. And it shows that you don't need to spend thousands of dollars on production to like, get your music out in the world. Yeah. Okay, so how do we find the record? How, like, if we want to download, if we want to get it, what? so now we're going to get to the ways that we've, we find you. You know, you mentioned YouTube and web series and things like that. But, like, let's start with the record. How do we get the record? Yeah, so there are a few ways to get it. It's on iTunes and Bandcamp. You can also buy it directly from my website. I guess uh-huh. is the way that I would suggest. Then okay. you get to see other some things on my website. 
Okay. Elianalake.com. Okay. Awesome. And and it's only digital. I didn't make this round any physical copies of it. So just download and go. Download and go. That's the next. No, that should not be the next record. It's 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 catchy, but I don't think <laughs> I don't think that's the title of your next catchy record. Catchy for someone else. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So when you name your record that, you better thank me and Eliana. Um, so then, what's your YouTube channel? Um, it's just my name. So if you search Eliana Light on YouTube, you should be able to find it. Okay. Um, I've got lots of fun different stuff on there. Cool. And then the Facebook and the Twitter and the Instagram and all those things? Um, some of those things. I have a Facebook. <laughs> it's Eliana Light Music. Uh-huh. And I have a Twitter I don't use all that often. Uh-huh. Um, but if you search me on Twitter, I'm pretty sure I'm the only Eliana Light around yep so <laughs> searching my names in these things will probably bring it up i don't have an instagram i'm not a big picture taker that's fair um but that's maybe fair. someday yeah like no no pressure for me no pressure to have an instagram <laughs> it's like it's just an added to the list of things you need to worry about or not worry about in your case okay. do not worry about it so <laughs> it's been uh it's been awesome talking to you and hearing about what you're doing and um, I, I encourage everyone to go and check out your music. I'm interested in this, like this heavy God stuff. I think that that's a, mm. um, that's a brave one. That's a brave move because I, I think that it, it's something that people are not talking about a lot these days and to sort of tackle yep. it head on through music is, uh, is putting yourself out there in a majorly brave way. So that's pretty cool. Good for you. So, Eliana, thank you so much for your time. It was great talking to you. Best of luck with everything, new job, all the music. Um, thank you for doing what you do. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks to Eliana Light. That was a really good conversation. It was really cool to catch up with her and hear about what she's doing. She has this little blurb on her Bandcamp page, and I really think that it sums up everything that we talked about. She writes catchy, content-rich music that will get you singing, dancing, and learning something. www.goodstuffpod.com for all of your Good Stuff Kids podcast needs. Mike at goodstuffpod.com for the fastest email reply you've ever gotten in your life. Try me at Good Stuff Pod on all of your social media. And now here is Jewish Things by Eliana Light. Talk to you soon. When you look around your room, what do you see? A stack of books, a comfy bed, a toy, or even three. But maybe there's a special thing you like above the rest. It makes you brave, it helps you grow, it helps you be your best. We all have things, special things, helping us with what each day brings. We have things, special things. Some of those things are Jewish things. Some of those things are Jewish things. Maybe you have a teddy there to help you fall asleep.
The blanket that your mommy gave you when you got your name. We all have things that help us go through the world each day. And we have some things that help us in a Jewish way. We all have things, special things, loving us with what each day brings. We have things, special things. Some of those things are Jewish things. Stuff.